From the USC Viterbi School of Engineering in Los Angeles, this is Escape Velocity. I'm your host, Daniel Juhora. Dr. Brandy Jones, the USC Viterbi Vice Dean of Diversity and Strategic Initiatives, has to silence her phone a lot these days when she sits down for a conversation. Ever since the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police on May 25th, 2020, an event that triggered worldwide protests against racism and police brutality. Her phone has been buzzing nonstop with calls from students, faculty, and university administrators. What can we do, Brandy, is a question she often gets. Others just call to pour out their hearts. And this is the way a lot of conversations with Brandy go, with her reaching out across all the noise in a way that makes you feel understood, like you've known her your entire life, like your story matters. Many call to tell her their own experiences with systemic racism, some for the very first time in their lives. I think I've managed to silence everything on my phone. I think it's on Do Not Disturb. It's on everything it could be on, I think. Disconnected, it says. Good. So, Brandy, typically we co-host these episodes together, but today I would like to interview you and talk to you about your work. Absolutely. I think when we created this podcast, it was really focused on race in academia, race in STEM. It was shortly after the murder of George Floyd. And so there was a definite focus on race and society. Where we are now is we are still having a conversation about race. Most of us didn't know George Floyd personally. We didn't know Breonna Taylor personally, but we do know Timothy Pinkston. We do know Wanda Austin. We do know Brandy Jones. And so I think lifting lived experiences is so important. I hope people take away a better understanding of racial encounters and what it means to be Black, Latinx, Indigenous in America, and what it means to be Black, Latinx, Indigenous in a school of engineering. Our nation has seen periods of racial progress before, but this moment in history feels different. The breadth and intensity of it, the expressions of solidarity, sympathy, anger, and hopeful demands for reform make it feel so promising that change will be systemic and durable. That hope was echoed at USC Viterbi and took form in what is now known as the Racial Equity-Minded Action Plan. At its core, the plan reaffirms the school's commitment to advance racial equity and inclusion. There are three priorities in the plan. The first priority is representation. And so the idea there is that we need to increase the pathways where those who are historically underrepresented in engineering can enter the academy. And then there's engagement and support. We want to make certain that every student we admit, every person we hire, are able to succeed and thrive. And then there's equity and inclusion. And this is really where we challenge some of our strategies to make certain that they are equity-minded. So when thinking about representation, I think about PhD students. I think about looking beyond some of the typical factors to better understand where students come from, their experiences, looking at indicators that would help us 
better get at their passion and their abilities to succeed beyond GPA and GRE scores. Certainly students come to the academy, they have the academic chops. They can absolutely handle the academics. But sometimes the environment is not set up for them to succeed. So engagement and support is about providing that safe space for students where they are comfortable, where barriers are lowered such that they can thrive. For the last 20 years of her professional career, Dr. Jones has been a vital link between faculty, students, staff, and university administration. But the work with students has been especially close to her heart. Every institution where I've worked, I have this collection of mentees and sons and daughters. It's where I started my work, so it's the core of my work. What does it mean to be a son or daughter of Dr. Brandy Jones? Well, first of all, it means I'm in your business. I will knock on that dorm room at any point, morning, noon, or night. That used to be in my younger years. But what does it mean to be a son or daughter of Dr. Brandy Jones? It means I will be real with you. I will expect you to be real with me, but I will have your back. And sometimes having your back means calling you on your stuff, but I will advocate for you. I will not just mentor you, but I'll be a champion for you. I will speak your name in rooms that you aren't in. And this is long. So this isn't just while you're a student. This is for your life. And I will do the same for your children and their children. Between midnight and noon today, 23 boats filled with over 800 Cubans reach Key West, Florida. U.S. Marines are now on duty at Key West to keep order among the restless refugees waiting resettlement in the United States. One of those sons and daughters is Dr. Judith Mitrani Reiser. Forty years ago, her parents took a big risk. Baby Judith was very sick, and they decided to join the 125,000 Cubans who fled the island in the 1980 Mariel boat lift. Today, Judith helps make Americans safer from earthquakes and structural failures as a leader in the NIST's Materials and Structural Systems Division office. But when she first met Brandy as a PhD student at Caltech, Judith was feeling separation. She was very close with her family back in Florida, and she was the only one who had left. I didn't have the easiest time at Caltech when I first got there. It was really difficult for me to understand or translate the culture. And so I needed to find other support networks. I stumbled into the Minority Student Education Office, and that's where I found my future forever friends. There weren't that many Latina students or Latino students or Black students across all of those. So Brandy finding a way to get us all together was really nice. I remember finally feeling like there is a nice warm spot on campus. And I kept coming back because that's how she made me feel. When we think about the importance of belonging to do your best and thrive, you need to feel comfortable. And so for a student who is from a background that is highly underrepresented, I think it's important to have a touch point a place where you can go and speak your own language, a place where you can be affirmed, where people are telling you, I believe in you. Every place that I've worked, I try to create an environment. Sometimes it is about the physical space. And so at Caltech, there was a physical setup that felt like a living room because I knew that would relax students. 
But I think even when the physical space is not actually set up that way, I think the idea that one can be themselves, that you can stand in your blackness, in your Latinaness, in your gayness, in your disability, in your religion, alongside being an engineer. It's a space where you can be who you are. For Dr. Jones, creating a more welcoming environment means change at every level of the institution. And that is what was required in the Racial Equity-Minded Action Plan. Shortly after George Floyd was murdered, Dean Yortsos quickly responded with a call to action. He called every single academic department within Viterbi to respond with a set of recommendations or actions. So from there, the three priorities were created. We put in place six working groups. These working groups are intended to really dig deep. So looking at data, best practices, our procedures, and really make actionable recommendations. We are currently reviewing those recommendations such that we can make some very strong, bold commitments that will move the needle in the area of racial equity. This is not a plan that Brandy and Dean Yortsos came up with. This is a plan that came from faculty and staff. It came from the actual academic departments looking at a problem and creating a list of recommendations. So the priorities were created out of plans that we received directly from the Viterbi community. So in the coming months, we will see ways in which the school will commit to creating and monitoring success indicators for engagement. We will see increased support for scholarships and fellowships. We will see ways that we will particularly attract Black, Latinx, and Indigenous scholars. We will look at our procedures and processes to see where the barriers are. You know, I sometimes wonder whether my grandmother could have imagined such a possibility for her granddaughter as she was looking at the Statue of Liberty as she came into the harbor on the boat that brought her here. That's USC President Dr. Carol Folt. And then I think, yes, she could have believed that because she did believe that's what America was and it is what I still believe today. And as your president, I want people from all circumstances and walks of life, I want all of you, all of them, to have opportunities like this. I want you to feel as welcome as I feel and as safe as I feel every day. It starts with acknowledging that our diversity is our strength. President Folt put a call of action out to the university to think very carefully and intentionally about how we might address race and racism. Speaking with Dr. Jones about her work, it became clear to me that this type of work can be emotionally, physically, and psychologically draining. So I wondered, who does Brandy turn to for inspiration and support? I return to the leaders who led and fought in a time where they have fewer resources, They sat in less prestigious organizations, if you will. 
They didn't have the power of a prestigious university behind them. They didn't stand under an office of diversity and strategic initiatives. They did what they thought was right, and they fought hard in a time when the situation in society was far worse than what it is now. I think about leaders like Ruby Dee. I think young people are about measuring the importance of human beings by the way we behave toward each other, the way we think, the way we live. We will, I firmly believe, value each other. Betty Shabazz. Black people are human beings with the feelings that other human beings have. We must fight for the potential to freedom. In the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, it states that every human being has a right to an education, to a suitable job, and everyone has the right of proper and suitable housing. Mary McLeod Bethune. We need the strength of all women who believe as we believe, and they need us, for none of us can do much alone. Dorothy Height. I think my greatest legacy is that I've tried to focus on rights for women, for men, for everyone. Fannie Lou Hamer. It's time for us to do something about that. We are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And we are tired of people saying that we are satisfied because we are everything but satisfied. So that gives me everything I need to keep going. It isn't just the legacy of Black civil rights leaders that Brandy is an heir to. Breaking down the walls of institutional racism was first modeled in her family. Being my father's daughter, he drove bus. So for the bus company, he was the union rep. Being literally on his knee as he would negotiate things for people. And this is, of course, before cell phones and texting and email. And so they would have to call our house to get advice. And watching him negotiate and fight for, that's where my fighting spirit came from. I remember going to the union hall, whatever the issue was someone brought to him. His response was, you don't have to respect someone just because they're your supervisor. And someone doesn't get to disrespect you just because they're your supervisor. You know, you both are people. This whole concept of someone gets to talk down to you just because they're the manager is out of order and out of line. You deserve respect. My mother and father both were incredibly intentional. From the decision to have one child... The decision to move to a particular city, the decision to engage with the school district, they were intentional about everything, and everything was guided by their role as parents. The intentionality was you speak up for yourself. When you see wrong, you speak up. And I don't know if they said that, but I saw it. Things as simple as our local library had no black books or magazines. And my mother would, every Thursday, she would go to the library and she would show up with her list and she would present this list to the librarian. Now we're talking about regular working class folks, right? Before the internet, so she couldn't just Google a list of books. She had to find this list. And she would come every Thursday with a new list of books that she demanded that the library purchase. 
in our library at that time, you found just about any book that featured a Black character or a Black person. My mother loved biographies. In the home, there was biography in just about any Black athlete, celebrity, activist. I didn't appreciate those books as a kid because what do your parents know, right? But later in life, being in their home and picking up, you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X. If he were made to realize how Black people really feel and how fed up we are without that Various books about Muhammad Ali. You're a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. God didn't make no mistake when he made us all like Arthur that. Ashe, I remember a book about Wilma Rudolph. There's never been another time in history where past Olympians have been honored at any time other than at the moment. That Stories they written about Ray Charles <laughs> and James Brown. One, two, hit it! Now that I think about my research, and I connect it to my research, which is portraiture. Portraiture helps you understand the full story of a student. My work is grounded in understanding the experiences of people. Understanding that when people come to the academy, they've had a whole life. They live lives outside of their role within USC Viterbi. That's my lens. A story that basically sums up Brandy's holistic approach to the way she sees students is the story of one of her sons in the academy, Dr. Akil Ward-Daniels. Akil is from Gulfport, Mississippi, a city that was hit hard by Hurricane Katrina in 2005. He is now an IBM product manager, but he first met Brandy when he was a PhD student at Princeton. She had just joined the School of Engineering in a dean-level position. And of course, with Brandy's like sense of love and caring for everybody, I mean, she was paramount to me sitting there making it through this program. Akil grew up in the 90s during the height of the cocaine epidemic. No one in Gulfport at the time was seeing Princeton and an electrical PhD in his future. If you were between the ages of 15 and 30 and you were a black male, one in every 10 of you was murdered. And that has a very impactful impression on you. When I was growing up, I was like, why do things have to be like this? When I was at Princeton, they usually have a map of every state that people come from. And most years, the only state that no one came from was Mississippi. Even Alabama had people going to Princeton. For that matter, it's not that we didn't have smart people. We had people who won the Bill Gates scholarship. So they can go to anywhere they wanted to go. And they would usually go to some local college. It's a very industrial city, very heavy in seafood. We do a lot of oil. We do a lot of casinos. We do a lot of shipping. Louisiana, the Mississippi, Mobile. We always call ourselves the backbone of the country. My aunt over in New Orleans, she said, oh, where, where are you going to school? It's like, oh, I'm going to Princeton. It's like, Princeton, is that a good school? And I'm like, it's not bad, Aunt Ruth. It's, it's not bad. Nobody here can walk for you. A lot of administrators would have elitist kind of mentalities in terms of like, oh, we're Princeton. We don't need to go out and try or make people feel good about themselves. Like, you want to be here, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's going to limit us in terms of who we're bringing in and what we're producing, I think, in the long run. But Brandy came in, and since she's from the outside, from her upbringing, with the ties from Hammond, Louisiana, I could think of like, I know she's very family-oriented. And that is something that she brings with her wherever she goes. 
Brandy just breaks that mold. She gets hired to bring in students, make sure that they feel good, understand community aspects. That is Brandy to the T. One of Brandy's biggest interests, going all the way back to the biographies in her parents' home, is portraiture. It's literally the topic of her doctoral dissertation, providing the full story, the full portrait of students, faculty, and staff. But to Brandy, how you frame the story, what you focus on, is what makes the difference. There are different models of approaching diversity, equity, inclusion work. One is the diversity model, which you're strictly concerned with numbers. There's also the deficit framing model, where essentially you are focusing on the deficit of the underrepresented population. So, for example, having a Center for Engineering Diversity office, if that was your only activity, that would be considered a deficit model. That considers all of the programming and initiatives that fall under the deficit frame. It considers the demographic diversity, but equity-minded looks at what the institution or organization's responsibility is for the deficit. We need to talk about the deficit part of the story, but the responsibility for the deficit. So an example is if you give the percentage of underrepresented minority students who aren't doing well. Now that might be a fact, and that's important to show. Deficit framing is stopping there. Equity framing is saying, yes, this is true, but it's because of systemic racism, because of barriers that have been created, which are the very reason why people may not be finishing, graduating, succeeding. In an engineering school, there's a natural desire to have things measured, quantified, characterized in some fashion. Are the diversity numbers going up or down? But as Randy Hill sees it, that doesn't capture the full portrait of what Brandy's doing. Dr. Randy Hill is the executive director of the Institute for Creative Technologies, or ICT, one of the most innovative research institutes in the country. ICT's researchers have won Oscars creating aliens for Avatar. And also working with the Shoah Foundation, preserving the memories of Holocaust survivors as living, interactive holograms that our children can actually talk with. I am a Holocaust survivor, and I am now an elderly gentleman, and I live in Toronto, and I lead a reasonably satisfying life. Dr. Hill knows human behavior. He first studied it as a military intelligence officer and then later modeled it in virtual humans as a computer scientist. But even with all that, he says he's still learning. A lot of it started back when George Floyd died in May. That wasn't the first wake-up call. There's been a whole bunch of them. You know, as long as we can look back, you can name names. But it seems like that woke up a lot of people to this whole issue. But like many people, Randy wasn't sure, as a leader at USC, how to proceed. Then one day, Dean Giannis Yortzos invited him to hear Brandy speak for the very first time. I reached out to her, and we had long conversations about diversity, equity, inclusion, and really how we should be thinking about it. What made me feel comfortable was, on the one hand, I think there was a lot of people who just wanted to, like, jumpstart. We got to make radical change right now. And I didn't know quite what that was supposed to be. And what she said was, we really need to just begin by listening. 
in understanding other people's experiences. And that really change begins at the personal level. And then you can begin to address things that are structural in nature. What that's done for me is I've been listening a lot. So Randy listened. He listened to army leaders he had graduated with from West Point. He listened as two, three, and four-star black generals described their personal experiences of institutional racism. He listened as his own staff described struggling with the same respect that others take for granted. Going back to Brandy, her approach has been to, you know, just get people thinking, trying to listen, understand, and then begin to survey our organizations or institutions and look at how we may be making people not feel included. That was one of the stories I heard even from one of the generals is like, why are we having a hard time retaining black officers in the army? It's because they don't feel like they belong. And I think that same could be said in the academy is that a person is not made to feel like they belong. They're going to leave or they're going to feel discouraged. Hey, I'm very sympathetic to the challenge of trying to justify something just by numbers because a lot of the work we do is trying to influence change in behavior. And I think that's what she's doing. I'm just one data point, but like me, there are hundreds now that Brandy has impacted. I don't know that I might have stayed at Caltech if it hadn't found that home, hadn't found her living room on campus. And I didn't find her warm smile to welcome me whenever I felt like I needed it. Schools of engineering, STEM programs in general, I don't think they understand Brandy fully yet. They don't understand how she's thinking about everything holistically. She is a treasure. I think the biggest misconception is diversity, equity, and inclusion work somehow is separate from being an excellent engineering school. And the idea that you can opt in or opt out of equity work. Being equity-minded is about taking responsibility for the things that you control. So I can't promise that this plan is going to address police brutality or anything in society. What I can say is we are responsible for those who enter the academy for the ways in which one can move up faculty, staff, or student, for the climate that we foster, for creating an environment where people can succeed and thrive. I will say that it starts with a personal commitment, and then it moves to systemic. You don't know George Floyd personally, but you do know Timothy Pinkston personally. And so to hear what happens to him driving around Los Angeles. People connect with that. And perhaps it will move people to act in a different way inside the university. As crazy as times are, I have an incredible amount of hope. And that hope comes from the care, concern, and action that I've seen from young people. I am here to support Black Lives Matter, and I am a patriot, and I believe in our constitutional right to get out and express ourselves. I have a great deal of hope thinking about some of the faculties, the research institutes, ICT, under the direction of Randy Hill. I've been working very closely with the diversity committee there. 
to really think about how they can address systemic racism in their work environment. Those things give me hope because now people are saying race. People are saying racism. People are understanding how racial encounters impact the success of people in the research academy. Someone who gives Brandy hope for the future is Zakia Brown, one of Brandy's USC daughters. As an environmental engineering doctoral student, she's interested in providing clean drinking water for developing countries. Even when we first connected, she was like, yeah, let's have lunch at Morton Fig. Then she shared with me how she wants to help with the advancement of Black underrepresented groups to excel in grad programs and higher education. She is basically a mentor, or she has her adopted children. Even just the waiters and waitresses at Morton Fig, she was calling them son and daughter. It's just kind of like, wow. She's like, yeah, you can call me mom too. Like, it's fine. And I was just like, okay. So I actually call her Mama J. <laughs> that made me feel so welcome and comfortable. Her support, her reach, her love, honestly, it goes beyond the position, I think. It's very interpersonal. Success for me is when I get people to think differently and view the world in a different way, to consider what they had in the past. Of course, you can't walk in someone's shoes, but to understand someone's experience. And so having a global mindset, having a diverse, ethical, trustworthy mindset matters. From the USC Viterbi School of Engineering in Los Angeles, this is Escape Velocity. Thank you for listening. All right.